Welcome to episode 30 of Hair Biz Radio with your host, Zakira, and we have Shay on with us co-hosting again. I think yes. she just booted Mikey off. Like, <laughs> she was like, key. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and we have hanging out with us today the amazing, the fabulous oh, Julian Lark. Yes. He is a fashion expert, a celebrity wardrobe stylist founder of Rebel by JL and the founder of Control Magazine, which we all love so much. Um, so I'm super excited for him to be hanging out with us today. How are you, Julian? I'm good. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on. It's definitely a pleasure. So I want to actually go ahead and just dive right into Julian. Like, okay. who is Julian, the fashion expert, like a lover of everything fashion? <laughs> what got you started in, you know, just the fashion industry? Oh, wow. I'm just really a small town boy from, um, small town. I grew up in Statesboro, Georgia, and I used to design. I used to design since like maybe third or fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And I used to sketch me and my um, homegirl, Monica, used to sketch and create these little fashion books. And when I did all the way through high school, and then when I left high school, I kind of said, oh, I want to be a fashion designer and kind of went from there and Drove to my car, drove up to Atlanta to come to um, Art Institute, drove all the way up here for their open house to figure out about becoming a fashion designer, mm -hmm. only to get there for them to tell me they no longer have the program. No. <laughs> no. <Literally>, yeah. <laughs> they told me they no longer have the program. They said, oh, well, right across the street is AIU Buckhead. You should go over there. So I walked over there and um, talked to the administrator and said, I drove all the way up here for XYZ. And they were like, okay, well, here's the curriculum. This is what we do in XYZ. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go here. So you oh, ended wow. up uh, yeah. graduating from the Art Institute? Well, American Intercontinental University. Oh, American Intercontinental. There we mm -hmm. go. Yep, yep. So you have this quote, and it says, fashion isn't about owning brands. It's engaging style into lifestyle. So live it. So a lot of times I do find that some people will create boutiques or they'll create mm -hmm. these fashion lines and like, oh, I'm a fashion stylist. And it's like, no, boo-boo, you're not a <laughs> yeah, fashion no. stylist. <laughs> like, you don't understand the art of fashion. So what was your thought process behind, like, when you said that? Like, what was... It was because so many people, like you said, so many people feel like, oh, just because I go to the mall and I shop, I'm mm -hmm. a stylist. Yeah. Or I pull clothes out of Macy's or Bloomingdale's or wherever, and I just put them on my friends that I'm actually doing this. And it's like, it takes a little bit more, like, you have to read fashion magazines. You have to know designers. You have to really live into that lifestyle. Like you really have to, you know, really live it like every day. Like fashion for me is not something that I just, you know, go in and I put on clothes. I literally, if I'm going to lunch or if I'm going to dinner, I'm thinking about what I'm wearing. I'm looking at my closet and I'm organizing. And I'm being strategic on what I have and what I don't have and what I add to it and what I don't add to it. And I miss that into my clients. Fashion styles, they work. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And they have to be so strong. I was like an intern for two days, like literally two days. <laughs> in New York, they had these big black bags filled with like all this designer stuff. And I was like, how am I supposed to get from point A to point B? It's so heavy. Mm -hmm. I was like, the physical strength alone just counts me out. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And I, I remember this one time I had an assistant who showed up the first day. And she showed up in high heels to do pulls. And I was like, oh, baby, your feet going to hurt. Oh, mm -hmm. I was like, you need to be uncomfortable shoes because yes. sometimes we don't even eat like when we're running around pulling clothes and stuff so it, yeah you definitely need a lot of energy yeah definitely yeah. so we know that you didn't just like fall out of the sky with being this um, you've always <laughs> been an amazing person but you know in the industry you didn't just fall out of the sky no. where you are now so talk to us a little bit about that journey like after college what like what did you have to do or what were some of the relationships that you had to build before you actually got established in the industry honestly it was really hard mm -hmm. um, I waited tables 
tables. I didn't actually jump into the industry. I waited tables. I was working at Cheesecake Factory in North Point, and I'll never forget it. I got really tired. I used to reach out to like Ebony and Essence and all these other publications, and nobody would ever respond. And I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why nobody would respond. So I sat down with my little laptop. I sat down in the booth, and I created it. I'm a creative magazine. So for six months, I stayed in Barnes & Noble. I would leave on my lunch break. I would go to Barnes & Noble. I would go to Starbucks, and I would research other magazines like Vogue, AL, Harper's Bazaar. And for six months, I studied those magazines and decided I'm going to create a magazine mm. and just kind of went from there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, in this industry, the society, or, you know, where we are now as individuals, we're so used to instant gratification. Yes. Um, and what I took from that was research. Before you can actually become who you're supposed to be, you have to do the work. Like, yeah, most research. definitely. So with you sitting in Barnes & Noble for six months straight and actually creating before it was actually birth, that just tells people that you're not just going to pop out of college like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no. it, it, It's not an overnight success. It's yeah. still a lot of trial and tribulation that you go through. Even I don't even tell people, or I didn't tell people this in the beginning, but I lost my job at Cheesecake Factory trying to do Control Magazine. Wow. Um, and then I had a partner who said, okay, well, just go ahead and focus on this. And I did that for like three years. But in the midst of me doing that for the first three years, I ended up going back and getting a second job. I got a second job at Baker's at Lenox and still worked Control. And then I turned around and left Baker's and ended up getting another job at Chili's out way far out, like in past Stockbridge. So nobody oh, wow. would know that, that I, was, I was working oh, wow. and trying to run the magazine wow. at the same oh. time. So trying to balance that. It's hard, but I think people get so caught up in trying to live like everybody else that and trying to, yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't want to have a boss, but yeah. you got to do but it. You like, do. Sometimes you yeah. have to do just to pay the bills or be able to sacrifice or be able to go. Mm-hmm. I think being an entrepreneur comes with a lot of sacrifice that yes. people aren't, everyone is not always ready to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always um, use that acronym, sell, sacrifice early, live later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before you build your business, you got to be in that sacrifice right. stage. Mm-hmm. And I love that that's what you do. That's an amazing story. Can I ask you, do you think that you needed to go to AIU and get your degree in fashion design and marketing to start control? Okay, so this is a catch-22 because teachers <laughs> always invite me up to talk, and I feel bad saying this, but no, I don't think you mm-hmm. do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to. I think, and unfortunately, this industry is an industry who does not care about your diploma. Mm-hmm. They never ask for it. Mm-hmm. They never ask to see what school you went to, mm-hmm. or they, they don't ask that. They really want you to actually have lived in this lifestyle and actually have worked in it. So really, it's about the work and being in it's about kind of who you know and making those relationships. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you're saying Sally Mae does not need to be on my line. <laughs> no, she does not. <laughs> I love I'm paying it. her back for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you talked about um, building relationships. Mm-hmm. What was like your strategy? Because, you know, we, we know fashion stylists who maybe just got out of college or they never went to college, but they want to become fashion stylists. They want to get into the industry, mm-hmm. but they're having a hard time building those relationships and, you know, they may get discouraged. So what's your strategy? or what's your advice for someone who is looking to get into the industry but they're getting discouraged because building relationships isn't like their strong point? So, and it's not mine either. I would definitely say that I am kind of shy when it comes to talking to people, but I had to find a way around that. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's about loving what you do. If you don't love what you do, Mm -hmm. it's not the industry for you because people always say, well, I'm trying to get to the check and I'm almost eight, nine years in, and I'm just now starting to get to that real check. Mm -hmm. So people, that's number one. People need to understand that the check does not come after the first year. It doesn't come after the third year. You're going to make sacrifices. Um, Still to this day, I do stuff for free, Mm -hmm. but it just depends on what it is and where it's going to get me. So when I first launched, my my very, very first client was Rashida. 
This was before Love and Hip Hop, any of that. Mm-hmm. And I went to Rashida. I did a photo shoot with her for the second issue of Control. And she loved it. And I was like, I want to be your stylist. She was like, well, I can't afford to pay a stylist. I was like, that's fine. You don't have to pay me. I was like, take me everywhere you go. Introduce me to everyone that you know. And literally, Rashida had me by her side every single where she go. There would be nights we would be in the Velvet club, Velvet Room mm-hmm. in the nightclub. And I hate being in a nightclub. Oh, you took it back. Literally, I would be sitting there on my phone on Facebook. Her and Candy would be popping bottles, X, Y, Z. But literally, when Candy walked up, she introduced me to Candy. When Jazzy Faye walked up, she introduced me to Jazzy. When Diamond walked up, she introduced me. She and said I was her wardrobe stylist. And I did so much for like a year and a half, I think, working with her. That paved the way for me to be able to meet these different people and kind of do things and take my career to that next level. So this yeah. is bubblegum Rashida. This is literally bubblegum okay. Rashida. Like, literally. like, and I, and I, even to this day, I always tell her and I tell Candy, I always thank them every time I see them yeah. because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am today because they literally helped me pave my way. What's that like, seeing them progress in their careers and you progressing in your careers and you guys being kind of like this full circle moment now where you all are together? Do you feel like a sense of nostalgia when you see them? Um, I feel really blessed. Mm-hmm. I feel blessed because I didn't take the things that they gave me and the things that they taught me for granted. Yeah. I think a lot of times people don't take the opportunities that people put in front of them mm-hmm. and really hold on to it. Like I took those opportunities to ask questions mm-hmm. and to learn. People sometimes just get in front of you and like, oh, I'm around this person, I'm around that person. Yeah. And it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. literally that's your opportunity to ask as many questions as you can because that person might leave you in a month or two months or three yeah. months. So I like that. So starting a magazine, I know it's it's very hectic and you say you took time to, you know, research and you worked a job as you were doing the magazine. But what was that like building the relationships for the magazine or like getting people to buy into the vision that you had? Because it was just a vision that you created and you had to get people, you know, to, to become a team and you had to get editors and you had to get writers. And what was that like? It's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's really unreal. When, and I always tell people this, control is not, in my mind, this is not what it was supposed to be. Mm. I never saw any of this. Wow. Um, no, I literally, I was a designer. I was just trying to put my clothes out there. And then I got to the point where I was trying to wait tables, run a magazine, design clothes for the magazine. I was like, no, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sewing anymore. I'll just be a wardrobe stylist still in fashion. But it's a learning process. Even to this day, I always tell people when I started out, I did not know what I was doing. I literally paid attention to certain things and certain people and I walked in their light and I still learn and I still pay attention. So sometimes when I'm around Crystal or I go out to New York and I'm talking to this publicist or that publicist, I'm paying attention. I'm looking to how they act on the red carpet. I'm looking to who they're networking with. I'm talking to, is this person somebody I should talk to or, you know, whatnot. I even watch movies. I watch, um, even with my styling, I watched or I had my boyfriend at the time buy me the whole season of Rachel Zoe. And I literally would watch the DVDs and I would pause when she went into a showroom and I would write that showroom down wow, yeah. and I would go back and I would research them and I tell people all day long it's really about taking the time out to really do that research and whatnot like I remember becoming a stylist I didn't know the showrooms or where to go or whatnot there was a, design, a um, stylist by the name of Mr. Bradshaw who had a blog out and I literally chromed his blog to like 4am in the morning wow. and I wrote every showroom he mentioned every designer he mentioned and I wrote them down and I read the research and I emailed them all and I said hey I'm Julian Lark XYZ I'm getting ready to do the shoot with Vivica Fox can we make something happen you say you emailed all of them mm-hmm. so talk about those no's that you got or mm-hmm. those people ignoring you like what was that how did you get over that hump okay like that was a no do you move on or 
or did you kind of like sulk in it for a while or um, how do you deal with no's? It was a no that I, you know, I didn't really feel any type of way about it okay. because I was going to email you back again later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You said no this time, but doesn't necessarily mean that I can't get you on the next one. So yeah. that just meant that next person that or the person that I was working with that time wasn't big enough for you. So let me reach out again. And I just keep reaching out. I've been told no several times about several different people. Yeah. But I just still reach out and I still, you know, just do you tell me yes? Do you tell me yes? <laughs> yes. You're gonna get it. <laughs> you know, no, no is only no. It can't hurt me, it can't cut exactly. me, it can't make me bleed. So. I love that. Yeah. Very true. I think you mentioned an amazing resource that a lot of people don't take advantage of, but you know, you said you watched Rachel Zoe mm-hmm. television, YouTube University. Yes. Like watching Rachel Zoe not only taught me more about fashion and showrooms, but it also taught me of how to work with people. Like when Most I definitely. saw the split up between her and Brad, mm-hmm. although I was emotional. <laughs> You and me both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You have to let people. That's what, what you were saying earlier. Like, some these people won't be with you in a couple months when they mm-hmm. find their own path. Like, that's something that I had to like really with grapple with. Like, well, what's loyalty in the workplace yeah. and business yeah. and let you know growing and then Brad having the courage to say I'm going to step out on my mm-hmm. own or you know. So I think a lot of people don't really take reality television for some of the educational. Yeah, yeah. You know, I definitely. think television is such a big plays a big part in our industry that you can't watch it just to watch it for fun. Yeah. Like I don't I I still watch Top Model. I still watch Project <laughs> Runway. I watch the bold life or the bold type. I watch Devil Wars Prada like 20 times. That's my favorite movie. Yes. I watch the September <laughs> issue, but I don't just watch it just to watch it for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I watch it to learn something. I rented or I bought this movie on um Apple called The Tents. And it talks about how Fashion Week actually got started. Oh, wow. So, you know, I even go to um, Amazon and I'll get um, documentaries and stuff on Mm -hmm. the fashion editors and stuff like that. And I keep that and I watch that just so that I can learn the history of what I'm getting involved into. Instagram is not the be all to end all to fashion. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you just can't get caught up in the Nova. So it's a lot more if you're trying to actually be in this industry and you want people to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. You have to know what's going on in the industry and be able to hold a conversation not only with a black person but with a white person as yeah, well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that's what sets you apart too. Like in any industry that you're in, when you take the time to learn background knowledge mm-hmm. and history and how it got started and doing the market research right. before you actually get into it, I think that's one of the greatest things that you can do about industry because then people look at you and they say wow like this is really what you love like this is your passion and I like that about what you said about that and and it's one of those things there I take this quote from um, Kamorley Simmons it's about she says, fake it till you make it from one of her books. Mm-hmm. And But to me, that's what she meant by fake it till you make it. You may not necessarily have the money or this and that, but know some of the knowledge that way when you're in a room with someone, you can at least fake the conversation enough yeah. to be able to get what you need to yeah. move to the next conversation. Mm-hmm. Another show yeah. that I think a lot of people slept <laughs> on. Yeah, <I> agree. <laughs> so what was that? I guess, how did Control Magazine help you catapult in the fashion industry? Like, was that... Did that oh, help yeah, you? Like just, definitely. Yeah, so what um, was that? 90% of my business has been built on Control Magazine. It's so crazy because people literally say that I snuck my way into the industry. <laughs> <laughs> but I literally, so how I did it was people would want to shoot with the magazine. Mm-hmm. And I would literally tell them, you can't shoot with the magazine unless I style you. 
Ah. So you got to leave your <laughs> stylist at home. Yeah. And you have to work with me. And when people came onto the set, normally people would just come onto the set and people would just work with you and do the work. But I'm literally in your ear talking, oh, you got a stylist? <laughs> oh, that's okay. Even if you do, if they're out of town, here's my I'm number. Here. <laughs> Call me. Let's work together. I would love to do more, whatever, whatever. And I think that's kind of one of the things that kind of helped me build my clientele. I did that with Braxton Family Values, and I got the second season. I started styling on that and was able to work with Tony and make, I think I got, we got People Magazine's Best Dress one year and all oh, these wow, other different, thank you, and making all these other strides to booking all these other different clients. I think that's what really set me apart. And then even I think I did some work with Chili and in the Styling Chili for BET Awards. And that's just literally coming in and saying, hey, it doesn't matter what other people say, literally just come in and talk to these people and kind of get to know them yeah. and be genuine with them. And I tell people about my struggle and how I started and what I'm building and where I'm trying to go. And I think that being genuine in that manner mm -hmm. has helped me really kind of go to where I'm going. I love that. That's why I find it so crazy that you did not see control blossoming in I did not. I was just trying to get my fashion. What do you think set control apart from similar publications? Oh, I always, hands down, it's the photography. Okay. Hands down. Yeah. We're in business to this day because of the photography. Really? I was lucky and listen, it was all God. I had a meeting at Starbucks on what is this? Right here by Bulldogs, um, the Starbucks right here. I had a meeting on Peace Street with Alan Cooley. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he wanted to start his own magazine. Mm -hmm. So he was like, This is a great opportunity for him. I had saw his work and I was like, Oh my God, like this man is phenomenal. And he agreed to shoot with us and he's literally been shooting with us ever, ever since. since. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's loyalty. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And then I learned so much from him. Like, he's taught me so much about the business and what I should do and what I shouldn't do. So it's been a great friendship as well as a great um, business opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So with Control Magazine, after you started Control, I guess maybe a while after you came out with Revel by JL. Yes. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, because that's cosmetics. Yes. So, and it kind of all, you know, intertwines, but what was your thought behind, I want to do a cosmetic line? So I was doing the magazine and it was like, okay, it's time for me to launch something. And people always say, you got to have multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. So I was like, um, a girlfriend of mine came to me and was like, let's launch this makeup line. And that didn't necessarily work out between us, but I was able to take what what I was learning and launched Revel by Julian Lark. I wanted to start small. We started with lipsticks and then grew into eyeshadows and um, foundations and stains and all these other different things. Um, so it's like one of my passions. Like I love it because makeup and hair and fashion all kind of go into the same. Yeah, yeah. it's why you can't have one without the other. So it was an opportunity for me to make women feel beautiful. And people are like, well, why don't you start with clothes? I was like, no, let me start with fat with makeup first because everybody always starts with clothes. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so um, if somebody came to you and was like, I'm not really, you know, a makeup person, lip stain person. I get that all the time. What is, what, <laughs> what is like one of your favorite lipsticks that you have? on Revel that you would say, here, try this, like it's so I get that from black women all the time. <laughs> like I, we don't like to wear a lot of makeup, yeah. so I always tell them to try pay my bills. Hey, oh, so it's a lip gloss and it's a nudie lip gloss with like a little plum flavor, plum color to it, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. So it's really soft, it's really pretty, and Tahira from the Cut Life loves mm -hmm. it, like one yeah. of her favorites. Yeah, I love that. I love that. How long were you doing the magazine before you transitioned into saying you wanted to put something out? I think the Mag, mm, probably mm, maybe 
four or five years. Oh, wow. Maybe four or five years into doing the magazine um, that I wanted to create the makeup line and kind of take it from there. Yeah. I say that because I feel like now everyone always sees like the end product. And mm-hmm. so they want to like, I'm going to start a magazine. <laughs> now I'm like 30 days in, 30 days. That's too long. Yeah. All right, let's start this makeup line. Okay, 30 days into that, the clothes. Like it's like the Diddy mentality. Like you yeah. want to be Diddy and have Ciroc and have Bad Boy. and ha- But like you got to you gotta be in the jungle first. Like, it yeah, is, gotta, you know? It's so crazy because I think as creative, that's just our mindset. We always yeah. have so many things running through our head. But you do like, and I will tell people this, I have, my number one thing is control. Mm-hmm. And it actually is the one thing that helps catapult everything. Mm-hmm. So control helps launch my styling career. Control helped launch my makeup because with control, I didn't have to buy ads with Rolling Out or Upscale or YBF or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had a magazine. So yeah. I can throw my all my ads on my own magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I can throw them on my own website. So it was a way for me to literally go back to doing, put it all back into one place. Yeah. In a sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love it. So mm-hmm. now you get to have like people who do spreads for control and stuff. You give them Revel or they use Revel mm-hmm. products. Yep. So anytime a celebrity comes in yeah. and <laughs> they want to shoot Rebel. with control, yeah. I don't even ask. Make a part of Here's Revel for the day. Use it on little lips. And then I, I mean, because you're shooting with the magazine. Yes, so you're all I love it. It's all mine. Like I'm going to put you in Revel dresses and then I'm going to post it on Revel's page. I mean, it's all me. So today, what was like one of your most creative, favorite spreads that you did for Control, like today? Oh, today, most creative. Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> that is so hard. <laughs> or just some, just one that you loved, like, One that I down. loved, this hands like down. I did a shoot with Latoya Luckett last mm-hmm. year that I really, really loved. I thought it was amazing. And I did a shoot with Antoinette Robinson um, that's actually coming out this year from mm-hmm. Dear White People. Okay. Um, and it was really, really beautiful. I think the styling on and the fashion of where I kind of took things was real different for me. So yeah. Yes. I love it. So what's your favorite like look to style? Like if if you had to choose between like all the styles in the world, like So shoot. I'm a classic, sophisticated, chic type person. Love like it, I don't yeah. do trendy very <laughs> well because I think trendy is gonna go in and out. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who wants to be seen on Vogue and L and I want to be you know I want myself to be timeless so for me I'm very classic and sophisticated I love Mm -hmm. it I love it yeah and I love this shirt too thank you you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to step up my own personal style (laughs) (laughs) so you're a a fashion stylist um, wardrobe stylist it wouldn't be right if you didn't come out with a clothing line correct so so now you have you just recently launched the clothing piece of Rebel so talk to us a little bit about that why did you do it and then you know what are some pieces that are different from other boutiques that are out. So pretty much I did it because, like I said, fashion is my number one love. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was time for me to launch. I launched online and then last year we opened, or I opened up a physical boutique in Midtown. um, Revel Privé. And so this year we launched, or we just launched two new collections. We launched our men's collection, which Mm -hmm. is the guy print. And then we launched the girl print, which are our spring-summer collections. And they're just just trying to do something different and give guys something easy to wear without yeah. necessarily. Because I hear a lot of guys say, oh, hope your stuff isn't going to look like Zara, that I can't fit Zara. Because <laughs> the average guy cannot fit Zara, or the average African-American guy can't fit Zara. Is it because like, Zara's stuff is more like slim? Uh, yeah, more, you know, yeah. we got thighs, we got butt, we got <laughs> chest and yeah. arms. So most guys can't fit Zara. So um, it has a more modern fit to it for the guys, for the girls. It's real sexy, but still kind of sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, It has a little 
trendy to it, but it just kind of keeps in line with who I am as a brand. Yeah. Um, and just kind of focuses on all those attributes. I love your pieces because I feel like I won't bump into someone else with it on you if will I not. buy like a piece <laughs> and style it with my own stuff. Yeah. Um, just speaking of your men's line, there's been a rumor swirling around that Fashion Nova is gonna have a men's line out. What do you what do you think I about be, that for I'm the not culture? Shocked. <laughs> I'm not shocked. Fashion Nova bites pretty much everybody what everybody does. So I know I just saw a post um Janice did a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Or yesterday she did um a post about how they just bit off her whole collection. Wow. Um and she ordered it <laughs> and had it sent to her and opened it up on Instagram and everything. But that's what they do, but that's what the industry is. The industry mm-hmm. is literally a repeat of what everybody does and everybody copies everybody. So yeah. I'm not mad about it. It's I just use it as a form of flattery. Yeah, I just think, you know, do you. And I guess for me, I don't really focus on what other people are doing. Right. I really focus on me and what I have going on because in the day, they dollar at my dollar don't look the same. Definitely. So, yeah. And not going into your account, right? Not at all. <laughs> and the other, great thing about, um, <laughs> <laughs> the other great thing about Rebel is that the pieces are affordable. Like, yes. you know, mm-hmm. the everyday women could go in there and, you know, purchase something and it's not like, oh, I got to break the bank to right. wear this. You and know? I try to keep it that way. I feel like my consumer... The people that I or that follow me or look at me aren't trying to be in Gucci every day or they can't afford Gucci like that. So for me, I wanted to keep everything within between 100 and 150. Um, Right now, everything in the store is literally under $100. Yeah. It's affordable. It's fashionable. It's not cheap. I literally go to LA, New York, and Vegas myself and literally handpick all the things that I want (laughs) to be in the store. Mm -hmm. And I don't reorder. So once the style is gone... You can't reorder. So no matter how no. much I beg you, wow. No. <laughs> and people literally are begging. Like yes. we have these guy pants that we release, these track pants, and mm-hmm. people are literally asking, "Can I order more?" And I'm not ordering more. No. Wow, not so that's a one time. It's a one time thing. That's the only thing that sets you, you apart. Yeah, and like, if you don't yeah. get it, you don't get it. That's, yeah. And people are like, well, I'm trying to wait for it to go on sale. Well, keep waiting because it's gone. I got I two pair left. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys are in Atlanta, you need to go buy Rebel Privé in Midtown. Um, they have some amazing pieces. I was looking at some stuff online, and then accessories too. Yeah. Accessories. yeah, our bags are doing really well. So we do book bags and um, duffel bags. And even with the men's stuff, I think like I want to start wearing it. So mm-hmm. I, that's one of the reasons yeah. I don't have to buy clothes anymore so I can just wear stuff <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, where'd you get that shirt from? Oh, just go yeah, buy yeah, your yeah, straight yeah. midtown. Um, so yeah, so it's it's red in midtown. We have great pieces, fun, flirty. Um, it's affordable. Like I said, everything is under 100. Yeah. So you're doing um, extremely well right now in this industry. What are two things that you learned? It could be personal development it could be professional development but what are two things that have stuck with you throughout you know this entire process so the number one thing for me is and i don't tell people this but a couple years ago i had a breakdown i had a breakdown where literally i was taking a shower and i literally bust out into tears in the shower and i couldn't figure out why i wasn't where i wanted to be in this industry Mm -hmm. and literally i got out the shower and I called a friend of mine and they turned the conversation about them. And it made me go back and say, you know what? It's not my time. When God wants me to have it, he will give it to me. Yeah. And I need to live into that and I need to stop trying to be and look and trying to act like everybody else out here in this industry and just focus on Julian. And when he yeah. wants me to have it, I'll be ready. Like he's literally, I almost had Yara Shahidi as a client. She's and gorgeous. something did not happen that something happened with that negotiation did not work out. And I was salty for years and I had to say, you know what? That wasn't for me. Yeah. God told me I wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. So I ended up getting Erica Ash as a client. 
it recently and like now Ooh, you're ready her. yeah so it's like, it her. takes time i would say that's the number one and the number two thing hmm why are you thinking about that i think a lot of times like we can drive ourselves crazy you know worrying about the next person right. or worrying about how we see other people being successful in the industry and i remember listening to bishop bronner one day at word of faith church and he was just saying like be thankful for the season that you're in yes. you know a lot of times we look at people and we may be born in the same season, but someone else may be ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just digest the food that you have now, yeah. you know, because yeah. when you get more food, you may get full off of you're not ready to Definitely. consume what it right. is that mm-hmm. you're asking mm-hmm. for. So I think we just have to remember that. Faithful over a few. Be yeah. faithful for where we are now and eventually it'll happen. What do you think are the dangers of expanding before you're ready? I think people nowadays don't really understand what they're getting involved into. And when you don't understand, you don't know and you, you're not prepared. We as an as an industry, like you said, are so quick and so fast to jump. Mm-hmm. And we always say, oh, we got a brand. We got a brand. But half yeah. of us don't even know what a brand is right? Um, <laughs> or what it entails to have a brand. I literally just started getting my credit clean last year. And me getting my credit clean actually helped me even more this year with building my business. And as African-Americans, we don't think about how does our credit look? Right. You know, what bank accounts are we with? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what do we have our business plans? Do we have this? Do we have that? And we're just so quick to jump out here. So mm-hmm. I think those are things that we have to pay attention to. And Definitely. Make sure that we're ready for. Do you ever look back and think if I would have had Yara as a client, maybe I wouldn't have been ready or it would have been a disaster? Or do you think if I would have had Yara as a client, it would have pushed me to, Julian, I'm going to, you better get ready. (laughs) Be ready. It would have pushed me to be ready, but I think I would have failed. Really? I think I would have failed. I think I would have done my best at that time, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I would have succeeded like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I would have probably messed up that relationship. Mm-hmm. Now I can still text her mom. I text her mom like to wish her happy birthday Chocolate for me. X, y, <laughs> you know, t- tell her X, Y, Z. And I still have that relationship mm-hmm. and it's still in a good place. Mm-hmm. So maybe later on down the line, I can do something yeah, versus where I probably would have destroyed it. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing uh, that you can say, say that. that. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah, a lot of people won't eat that and yeah. say like, oh, I would have done fine. I, I think can, you have to eat you your know? truth. You have Ooh, to yeah. be willing yeah, to eat sure. your truth and be honest about what you're living in, a lot of times we don't want to see us for who we are. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're so quick to blame the other person for why we didn't do this or why Mm -hmm. we didn't do that. But sometimes you have to stop and look at yourself and say, you know what? I fucked up. Yeah. Like, I I really fucked that up. Yeah, really bad. I need to go and fix this or I need to go apologize or I need to eat that moment and, you know, just sacrifice it. I always say there's an expiration date on blaming the past because I think a lot of times, you know, we can go through through life and we're so angry and upset with other people for what they did to us or what they do to us or give us. And it's like, we'll never become who we're supposed to become until we let go of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to let go of things to get a hold of things. So yeah. I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. And I remember what that second thing was. Remember that you can't take everybody with you. Yes. <laughs> and everybody is not going to be there for you. I used to get so mad at family and friends for not supporting Rebel mm-hmm. or XYZ. And I had to realize and understand they're not my consumer. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not who I'm selling to. So I can't get mad at my friends for not buying or my sisters for not buying Rebel. I have to look past them and look at who I'm actually selling to and who I'm working for. I love that. Yeah. And the fact that you take your target market into such consideration 
is amazing. And that's why you started the Lark Report, correct? Yes. Talk a little yes. bit about why you, I went on there, I saw you were like, I am not a writer, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't judge don't me. Don't to do me. You got to these videos, a couple pictures. Yeah. I'm going to give you this brief cap, a little longer than a caption. Talk to me about that. Why was it so important for you to connect with your fan and your consumer outside of social media, Instagram, Facebook? So this past year, or actually in the last probably, I'd probably say 60 days, 30 to 60 days, I created or I reached out to some friends or some people that I knew in the industry and I called it a seat at the table mm -hmm. and I invited fashion friends together people that I knew in the industry but I didn't really know and it was an opportunity that I wanted to sit down I always look on Instagram and I see people like Rashida and Candy and Toya and Monica and they're all grouped together and they're all out here working together they're getting mm -hmm. money together they're traveling together mm -hmm. doing I was like I want that Yeah, I want to have that and so I reached out to about six people and I said hey let's have lunch let's have brunch we all sit down and have brunch and I said I want to to be able to help each other get money together. I want us to be able to travel and hang out together and help each other build our brands. So over that time, I was able to work with one of the guys, Christopher, over there, um, hey, who's actually been, <laughs> who's been taking all of my photos yes, um, of amazing me photographer. and <laughs> trying to help me create content for myself. So I always feel like Atlanta doesn't want me. Mm, so I feel heavy. like I had to leave Atlanta to make Atlanta want me. I started traveling more and going to LA and being in New York and working more out there mm -hmm. versus being here. And when that happened, people started knocking at my door and start stop negotiating my prices. And so I got with Chris and started creating images for my Instagram. And then I started, okay, he redid my website. I had a little had a friend tell me, your website's trash. <laughs> That's good though. That's right. Those friends. That's yeah. a friend. I, I, I was like, okay, you know what? I accept that. Yeah. Hands down. You said my website's trash. It's time to fix it. So I got with somebody to fix my website. Fixed that, relaunched the Lark Report, said, hey, listen, I'm going to start blogging. You're not going to get it every day. I'm not a writer. <laughs> not my forte. Don't look for grammatical. Don't, don't come on here for that. Don't judge, me. don't judge me. You're going to get how I talk is how what you're going to get. And literally, they've been literally there to tell me, hey, you shouldn't do this. You mm -hmm. should do this. This isn't right. And I'm okay with that. I'm open to the growth. And they literally helped me be able to figure out who I am. Because when I started, I used to have this girl who I worked with at Baker's tell me, people don't think you're a fashion stylist. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. She was like, people don't think you're a fashion stylist. I was like, why? She was like, people don't think that because you don't look like a fashion stylist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what does a fashion stylist look like? And I didn't understand what she meant at the time. I was like, I'm putting all my money in control. That's where mm -hmm. my money goes. Mm -hmm. But I had to realize I need to make myself look, look good, just like my client yeah. looks yeah. good. So I'm putting a little more effort into that now. Mm -hmm. I'm paying more attention into who I am and a little more self-love. Mm -hmm. so. I love that. And that's Christopher Jamar Payne. Yes. I don't want to <laughs> give away your little best kept secret, but um, he takes amazing photos. So yes, yes he yes, does. Yes. Please check him out. Book him. He's great. He redid my website Yeah, and got it up in a week. Yeah, love it, love it. And quick turnaround time. Yes. <laughs> so what do you think is that one thing? Like, I think everybody has that one thing, but what's your one thing that sets you apart as a fashion stylist, not even in the industry, but as a stylist? I think I pay attention to details. Mm, that's a very big one. A lot of stylists are just rushing to do what they think or they just want. Oh, that girl from Love of Hip Hop hit me up. Let me style her. No, like pay attention to the details. Actually pay attention to who your client is. Yeah. Like I literally research my clients, um, whether it be through Instagram or it be through Google. I look at what they've done and I try to elevate them to that next level. Even if I'm only there for a week. 
I just want to be able to show that I did elevate you from where you were to what you're doing now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Pay attention to detail. I yeah. think that that's one of the biggest things that you have to do in this industry and really any industry. Yeah, most definitely. Paying attention to detail. Details is a big matter. Thing. Details matter because people definitely. people will the fact that you learn or know something about somebody will and you show them that it'll be like oh wow you re- you you really did you know did your research yeah. you paid attention to what's going on in my life yeah yeah so um New York Fashion Week is coming up really soon. Talk to us a little bit about what was your experience like when you first went to New York Fashion Week? Like, were you excited? Oh my God. Um, what were some of the things that you did to get in the shows? Like, it was the most amazing <laughs> time of my life. I went by myself, and then people always think you got to have so much money to go up for New York Fashion Week. I probably went with $600 in my pocket. Okay. I flew up to New York Fashion Week, I slept on my friend's couch. I ate Starbucks and pizza all the whole time. <laughs> <I was there. laughs> but I was able to, because I have the magazine, I was actually able to get into the show uh-huh. um, as an editor and a wardrobe stylist. And I made so many connections. And it was hard because I'm not a writer, but I was literally going to a show, writing about the show, wow. trying to get it up, trying to take pictures by myself. It was hard as hell, but, <laughs> but I loved it. I will not change. I wouldn't change a thing in the world. It was like one of the best experiences of my life because as a stylist I got to see what's coming yeah mm-hmm. not necessarily what I said was mm-hmm. the trend I got to see what the industry was saying was next so what do you think as a fashion stylist that growth for you like what was maybe that aha moment that was like ah I need to change what I'm doing here so that I can become who I am today I think the aha moment for me was and it's not even something that happened Something happened before I became a stylist. Gotcha. I was actually able to learn how to take constructive criticism. Mm, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I, being a designer, I used to sew. I remember being at the table. I used to live on Beaufort Highway, and I was sewing this brown dress with pink thread. And two of my best friends came in and was like, absolutely not. They were <laughs> like, you cannot sew this dress with pink thread. Like, you need to take it all apart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you lost your damn mind. <laughs> Taking this dress apart. I was like, nobody's going to flip this up and see the inside. I was like, no, you have to do it right. And that was the moment that said, you know what? If anybody's going to tell you something, sometimes you have to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a Virgo, so I don't always want to hear (laughs) what people are saying. And I may not necessarily give you your props right then and there. But if you said something to me, I'm going to take it. I'm going to listen to it later on and think about it. And then I might come to you and say, hey. You know what? You were right. I didn't want to say it, but you know. Yeah. And that goes with yeah. paying attention to detail too. Yeah. So we talked about yesterday, we had a, a hairstylist on and we talked about uh, what are the salon etiquette? Like, what do you not like your clients to do when they come sit in your chair? So as a fashion <laughs> stylist, what is that fashion etiquette? Like when you have a client, what is that one thing that you're like, no, don't do that? Like, <laughs> Ooh. So I have this one client who likes to shop on her own. Uh-huh. And she sometimes likes to shop at Target. And I was like, no, like, I want you to, like, you got to go get your bra from Victoria's Secret. <laughs> you got to go get, like, your plate. I can't do kitten heels. Like, you will not wear a kitten heel around <laughs> not me. Not the like, Michelle Obama. We're, we're not doing that. Like, so those things, like, and I don't like when, I can't stand when women don't wear underwear. Oh, that's a really pet peeve of mine. A lot of clients will be like, "Wear oh, some you know, underwear, ladies." Like, you know, I okay. don't like to wear underwear. I like to let it breathe, and I'll be like, "Okay, girl, <laughs> that's what you want to do." I, I listen, but I'm just you like, gotta put your panties yeah, on. Gotta put your panties on. <laughs> that was my last day as a stylist. That was exactly why, because I was behind the scenes, like, no. Right? You'd be surprised. I'd be like, yeah. "Listen, the stuff that I say, I'm like, girl, you good? I don't want yeah. you. Good. We good." <laughs> Aside from Revel, what's your favorite fashion designer to use when styling? Oh, I don't to, know if you're to gonna use get some people in trouble, but no, no, um, 
Okay, so high end, I love to work with like Dolce & Gabbana and Alexandra McQueen, but low end designers, or not necessarily low end designers, but I would say up and coming designers. I love to work with Sylvia Molly. She's based out of here in Atlanta. She is um, from Project Runway mm-hmm. this past season, but she is one of the most underrated designers here in Atlanta. House of Valenciaga out of DC. Mm-hmm. They are amazing evening gown designers. When I'm ready for my client to slay on a red carpet, he's the first person I call. And Tristan Blake. Tristan Blake is also an amazing designer here in Atlanta. I think he's a hairstylist um, or makeup. I think he does hair and makeup, but he does that more so than designs. But his mm-hmm. designs are stupid. Wow. <laughs> like, stupid amazing. Stupid. Like, stupid amazing, yeah. And he's very, very, very low-key here in Atlanta. That's good. So I'm sure you've built relationships with these people already. But when you, I guess, first got into the industry, I know we talked about building relationships, but how do you build those partnerships? Like going to boutiques and saying, hey, if I ever have a client, I would love to come here and pull items. Like, how did you build those partnerships? Literally, you go in and you talk to them and they have to trust you. Yeah. And literally, when you fuck up, you fuck up and you got to own it and you got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. I literally, I had uh, an assistant break a $3,000 Chanel dress. where I ended up having to pay for it. That Chanel dress is still sitting in my closet. Wow. But we got it from Saks and she messed, she ripped the zipper. It was a one of a kind zipper, so they say. (laughs) So I had to pay for it. And, you know, that's how I kept that relationship. I was doing Braxton Family Values and my assistant didn't take the shoes and they walked out on gravel and Mm. YSLs and Louboutins and those shoes became mine, property of mine. I had to pay for them. Yeah. So when you, to build that relationship, you have to keep your word and if you fuck up, you pay for it. Yeah. I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't have the money. I had 10 days before I had to take the clothes back. So I had 10 days to raise the money and I had to figure it out. Wow. And I raised the money. Yeah. Because I couldn't go in there and say, I didn't have it. You're going to run this credit card and you got to go through and you got to make it do what it do. And as soon as I did, I ran back to Alexis closet. Can you buy these off me? <laughs> yes. I can't walk around with these. I need my money back. <laughs> So how how did you get them to trust you? Like, was it just something that they had to control. say, well, yes or no? Control. Yes or no. Control. control. Control, yeah, because you already had control that platform. Is the baby. Control yep. is the baby. I tell that's, that's the I gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> control gets me anywhere and everywhere that I want to go. And I always tell people when you come on to control, if you don't understand and see what's in front of you and don't take advantage of it, not advantage of it in a bad way, mm-hmm. but advantage of it in a good way and mm-hmm. use that platform, that's you. You're crazy as hell. Yeah. Because it literally has opened every door that I've gotten, every opportunity that I've been able to make and mm-hmm. work with people. It's been for because of control. If control wasn't here, I probably would have been all the way at the bottom. Wow. Yeah. Recently, you guys had an announcement that you were passing on the editor-in-chief reigns <laughs> yes. to Miss uh, Channing Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Control is your baby. Like, how were you able to let go? How was that? Oh my God. For you? It, it was scary. <laughs> are you still there? Like, are I am still there. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I, okay. I wasn't there for like, I left in May of last year mm-hmm. and I kind of came back in January of this year. Mm-hmm. But I literally was, my styling had jumped. Yeah. Um, you I were really, all over the yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> I had got an amazing client, Isaiah John off FX Snowfall. Okay. And literally, when you got checks that you ain't, Waiting for the client to actually mm-hmm. pay. And your checks are coming from the network and they coming on time and they coming on back time, to yes. back. They coming back to back. It's like, oh, bye control. <laughs> oh no, but yeah, I, I was happy. Like yeah. I had the boutique, I was styling, I was moving, my clientele was building, but I literally got that client through control. Mm-hmm. Wow. Our publicist flew in from LA and I was like, listen. 
I'm tired of doing these reality stars. <laughs> I want to do actresses. I want to do actors. Like I want to be at the Billboard Awards. Mm-hmm. I want to be at the ESPYs. I want to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, well, I got a couple clients. I'm going to send them your way. And she literally started sending me her new clients. Yeah. yeah. She started sending me her new clients. And she would ask me to do a shoot. And I would do a shoot. And it would pay. And I would, listen, <laughs> I was there. And nobody negotiated my rate. It was like, hey, we can afford that. That's the greatest feeling. Yeah, like, it is. You know, when people try to tell you how much you're worth. Yeah. You're like, no, I know I can do this. Like, these are my prices. I may not be for you. You right. know, I have a stylist that I can refer you to that, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a lot cheaper than me. Um, and you may be great with them. But for as for me and mine. to get there. It took me yeah. a minute to get there. Because like I said, in the beginning, you're, you're pretty much taking anything that you can yeah. get. Yeah. But once you've built a portfolio, that's strong enough to say, oh, I've done this, I've done that, then you know you can't pay me $200 to come style you. Right, I'm not right. I can get my fifth in that job, mm-hmm. but I'm not coming for two. Like, my rate is my rate because, and you want me because you've seen exactly, what I do. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. I love mm-hmm. how you started off when you said you worked with Rashida for free. And, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing you asked her was introduce me to everybody yeah. that you know and I can make my own check. Yeah, like, and, and it's crazy. Like I said, I still to this day, I have a client right now who does not pay me directly, mm-hmm. but when I tell you she has put so many checks in my pocket yeah literally checks in my pocket she can call me tonight at midnight and i'll jump out of my bed and i'll go to her and do whatever i yes. need to do for her because when she puts a check in my hand she puts a check in my hand yes mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. definitely so is, is there anything new that you're working on or that's coming up that so, you want to share yeah, where's control going <laughs> so we're redefining control um we're kind of taking control back to its ground roots so control is going to be really pushing its digital scene christopher fashion friend Hi, Chris. Um, is our new <laughs> online creative director so you'll be seeing a lot of push for him I don't know why people keep calling me <laughs> <laughs> so you'll see a lot of push from Chris on online editorials starting in June and then I'm working on a fashion planner oh yes, planner. So, yeah so I'm working on a fashion planner where you'll actually stylists can get this planner and they can keep track of like showrooms I and yeah. um, designers and things like that and That's it'll dope. help them with that and then I'm officially launching seat at the table brunch in July. Okay. So it's going to be um, a 20 people sit down where I'm going to invite the lady who helped me um, get my credit together, mm-hmm. um, different entrepreneurs to come in and talk and help give you advice or whatnot. I love that. And that's so amazing that, you know, you can share your resources Mm -hmm. with other people in the industry because I think a lot of times people like to hold on, you Mm -hmm. know, to the best kept secret that's Mm -hmm. for them, not wanting to help other people get to where they need to be in the industry too. But it's like you said before, what's for you is going to be for you. So no matter if you help someone else get to where they're trying to get to, you're still going to get checks. You know, you're still going to get clients. You're still going to have control. You're still going to do whatever. So I love that. I think that's dumb for people to want to keep things to themselves. Yeah. and that's one of those things like you have to look at like white people, Chinese people, they all help each other. I was Definitely. talking to my brother about a year ago and he was telling me how he was dating this, I think he's Philippine guy or whatever, and he did nails. Mm-hmm. But his cousin lives in Hawaii. His cousin was like, come to Hawaii for a year. You don't have to pay rent. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to wow. help you get your money up. You don't have to pay me anything for a whole year. Mm-hmm. You just stack your money. And then he'll turn around. He turned around and came here and opened in LA and opened up his own nail salon. Wow. And we don't yeah. do that for 
with no. each other. You call up with, sister, mm-mm. brother, like, mm-hmm. hey, can I come stay with you? Mm-hmm. How much you gonna pay rent? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't yeah. help each other grow. Yeah. And I think that crab in a bucket mentality is so stupid. That is. My thing is, if, if it's for me, it's for me. Now, what I'm not gonna do is I'm not going to babysit you yeah. and I'm not going to walk you to the finish line. Right. I'm not gonna yeah. lead you to water. Like, you're gonna have to put in some work. Yeah. So if you're not putting in work, no, I'm not gonna help you. Right. But if I see you putting in work, why not give you my resources? Why not help you? If that's the whole point of my class. If you're coming to my class or you're coming to something that I'm doing, I'm gonna get. I, that's your first step of showing me that you really want it. Right. Yeah. You're so gonna let, invest in yeah, it. Yeah. You're gonna invest in it. I still take seminars. Mm-hmm. I still go to classes yeah. and learn different things because I don't know everything. I'm still trying to learn. But I think as someone who is trying to be in any type of profession, you always have to be willing to open your eyes and learn. Yeah. Definitely. And I think you're learning a lot from just the market and seeing how things are going from paper and book and hard copy to digital. So you mm-hmm. bringing Chris on, knowing that Barnes and Nobles, Barnes and Nobles, like survive borders, survive oh, yeah. borders. Oh, you yeah. know, definitely. Like, Where thinking is about clo- they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about closing their doors, but you have control in over 350 locations and Barnes and Nobles and Dalton Books and uh, various bookstores, bringing Chris on to help revitalize your digital presence. You have to be learning. Yeah, you have definitely. To be in the market and learning to know to do that. Yeah, it's one of those things that, and it's crazy. We started out digitally. We never wanted to be in print, mm-hmm. but the market told us, or publicists told us, "Hey, we want our clients in print." Mm-hmm. So we did print. But it's like now you're going back to digital. So mm-hmm. you got to know to. I got to step on my digital platform. Mm-hmm. I got to build it and make it better than what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so where do you see control? Five years from now, and where do you see Julian Lark, the celebrity stylist, fashion expert? Uh, control, I still see around just thriving and pushing out great content mm-hmm. and just being here to help that next entrepreneur grow. For Julian Lark, the stylist, I want to speak on more panels. I mm-hmm. want to teach more classes. Yeah. I want Revel Boutique to open up more stores. And I just want to help people kind of take their careers to the next level. I love it. I love it. And Julian is so humble. Just sitting Mm -hmm. here listening to him, I've learned a lot. He's doing amazing things within his industry. Before we go, for that student who is maybe in college and they're like, college is not for me. You know, I want to be in the fashion industry. They may be scared to just start or they don't know where to start. What's one piece of advice that you can give someone who wants to be in your shoes eventually? I say find your mentor. Um, find your mentor, reach out to them, you know, say, hey, can I take you to coffee? Mm-hmm. I just want to um, pick your brain. I want to talk to you. I'm looking to get into the industry, but I'm unsure. Yeah. Just be transparent. Be honest about what you're doing. Literally, I've had Emily B was my, one of my mentors. Oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. Lily, I did she a was an amazing yeah. stylist. Yeah. It I, is an amazing yeah, stylist. Yeah, I, did a, I did a photo shoot with her and Lily said, hey, will you be my mentor? I'll fly to New York. I'll go to New York. I'll do what I need to do. Like in the midst of me owning control and being a stylist, always be willing to, like I said, willing to learn and just mm-hmm. talk to people. Like, cause you got to have a mentor. You got to have somebody to help guide you. Yeah. Um, but when you're being a mentee, you have to be willing to understand that. It's a lot of work that's going to be involved, a lot of grunt work, and you can't be lazy. You can't be lazy. Like, that's not going to work. Definitely. So just tell us before you leave, where can people find you at online, social media, boutique location, all that good stuff? (laughs) So you can find me across all platforms at Julian Lark, um, J-U-L-I-N-L-A-R-K, Control Mac, Control with a K, and Revel, R-E-V-E-L-B-Y-J-L across all platforms as well. And the boutique is um, 1210 Fowler Street, Northwest, Atlanta, Georgia, 30318. We're off of um, 14th Street, right behind Primo Prince. 
Yes, and your actual yes. website. Oh, and the website is revelbyjl.com, and then my website is julianrlark.com. Make yes. sure y'all click that Lark report. Definitely. <laughs> and you can also purchase items if you're not in Atlanta. You can purchase them online. Yes. Uh, we will put all of his information and links in the show notes, so that way if you're listening to this podcast, you can definitely get more familiar with who Julian Lark is. I had a blast. Thank you. You were so humble. Like, you sat down, and Zakir's doing your intro, and you're like, screaming, like, oh my god, like, all this for me? And I'm like, yes, all this for you. <laughs> Lashes on for you, like thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, in the store, if you um buy online, if you're in Atlanta, we have in store pickup, so you can actually buy stuff online, and there's no fee for in store pickup. We pull it right off the rack and we hold it for you. I love it. I love it. So make sure you guys hurry because whatever they have now, they're not restocking on that item. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming out with some new stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in to episode 30 of Hair Biz Radio with Zakira and Shay today. Don't forget to comment and subscribe. Thank you, guys.